You're listening to What She Said podcast with Shanae Hall. Welcome to this episode of What She Said. I'm Shanae Hall, your host. I want to introduce our guest, and I pray that I said her name right, Holda. Is that correct? She has several websites. She has five books on Amazon. So without further ado, Miss Lady, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to What She Said podcast. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I went and I was looking around. I was like, oh, this is amazing what you do here. And I kind of looked at some of the conversations and it's real conversation, like the stuff that most people don't want to address and, and talk about. Give me a little bit of, of your background as far as what got you to this place of really, literally from the earth to the table, like a lot of your stuff is about, you know, agriculture, farming, living off the land, learning how survival, you know, from yourself, not from, I don't want to say the white man, but not from the grocery store or whatever, your own source of, of providing. How did you get to that point in your life, in your career? I had a lawyer friend of mine at the time. He said, you know, the Bible interprets the Bible. I was like, what does that mean? Everything in there is going to tell you everything in there. You don't have to go to somebody else to learn what's in there, but you have to learn it. Then I started traveling. So I've been to the British Museum. I've been to Egypt. I've been to Israel. I've been to Spain. I was like, I have to see it, touch it for myself. That's just how I am. A lot of people talk about things, but a lot of people are not willing to get out there, you know, get out and actually see it. And so that's what I spent like three years doing that. I met people, I met rabbis, I met Hebrew Israelites all over, just all over the place. But one of the consistent things that I was realizing was that we have a lot of trauma and a lot of our trauma dictates how we interpret the Bible. And it still dictates how we treat our women because when a male a lot of times is disenfranchised and emasculated by the dominant culture, he takes on his father's practices. And I say that strongly because that's not the practices of the Bible. That's not the truth of the text. That's the truth of the oppressor. And then you make the black woman the oppressed. And then it causes tension. And I was like, how do we fix this tension? And I could only see the same, the same thing that people were using to destroy the family in a lot of ways and cause oppression was the same thing that I saw as liberation, which is we got to see what is actually being said. And so that was kind of like the holistic birthing space of her royal roots, royal roots, and everything kind of in, in, in one space. So we can go ahead and get right into it because from our conversation with Brian from Jagged Edge and, and, um, our chief priest who came on a couple of times to discuss polygamy and polygyny and where the female lies in that space. Now, of course, I always hear, well, this is an American thing. This, this one man and one woman, that's an American thing. That's not an African thing. If you go to Africa, everybody got a gang of wives. And I was under the impression, well, if you go to Africa, you could only have a gang of wives. You got a gang of money to be able to afford a gang of wives. I could be wrong, but that's what I had heard. So fast forward to today and American culture taking bits and pieces. Well, King David had so-and-so wives and so-and-so. But if you can't pay your light bill, how are you going to have multiple wives? Ain't that like a perk of having a lot? So let's start with that. And then we can start the ball of rolling. Where's your positioning on 
the multiple wives thing? So my position is like clear and cut. I was like, disclaimer, right? Polygyny in the United States is absolutely illegal. Like, so that goes directly into, and I know, like you said, people like to pick and choose what they like to believe. I always say when people throw stuff out, my question is why? So yes. people pick and choose parts of the Bible, like, well, I don't believe the New Testament. So that doesn't apply to me. So with that said, I said, okay, but the general principle is you live in the land of your captivity and the land of your captivity has rules. And if you believe you're a Hebrew Israelite, you believe you were placed here because you disobeyed the most high's law and you were disenfranchised and taking on slave ships to a land to be reprimanded for those behaviors. You're not free. You're not free to just do and live as you please. You can't, you can't just go in somebody's house and change the rules because you set up all of us for a huge amount of reprimand in that way from the system that we live under. And so in Romans, it says you obey the government in the land you live in. People don't like it. That's what it is. If you don't like it, move. So that's the first thing here. It's a complete no. And that, that's, that's my stance there. But as it pertains to where the Bible says, every person I come across, and I'm probably a, a pest when it comes to that, they jump like right in the middle of the Bible. Oh, you know, Jacob, uh, David. And I'm like, okay, thousands of years. Let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the original blueprint. And you'll see something very interesting about people when you take them and you put them into this like very small territory. Let's go back to the beginning. And what was the design? What was the design from the beginning? Did Adam take the, you know, the most high take multiple ribs out of Adam and give him like all these wives to repopulate? That's not how the, <laughs> that how the, the text is explained. Right. And then people go, well, how do you know? Okay, we can get into it. We can read it in Hebrew. That's always my basis for people. If you want to have a real, real deep biblical conversation with me, let's take it back to the original language because that's how you know, like you know what's being talked about. I'm going to use a term and it's called ezezer negado. It means, um, it says, and, and God will, will make a help for him. There was no help for Adam. Right. And the, the term literally means a mirror, an equal opposite. He didn't say, I'm going to give him a bunch of mirrors to look into. There is a very, very unique uh, setup in the construction of the marital relationship. I'm using that one also. It was set up that way. It's a covenant-based relationship and it's not just about us. We're very ego-driven as a people. We're very selfish as a people and there's a lot of pride running rampant. And the reality is the construct of relationship is not to reflect us. It's to reflect the creator and it's to reflect a thematic understanding of his relationship with his people. And so when the Bible opens up, the Bible literally opens up with, uh, in the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. It opens that way without like, and there was a big bang and then seven atoms split this way and 30 split this way to give you a concrete answer to who's in charge and who gets to make decisions and I did it, so I get to say how it goes. You don't get to come along later and change it. And so when you go down the line and you look at the relationships, nobody wants to look at functionality. The Bible is all about function, it's not about form. The Western mind, the Greek mind, the European mind is very much about form, how something looks, how right. it makes me feel. Right. And the Hebraic mind is all about function, the why. 
And when we get into the conversation of polygyny, nobody ever wants to talk about why Jacob had more than one wife, why Elkanah had more than one wife. Elkanah had more than one wife because his main wife was barren. Mm -hmm. So he had a surrogate. And what do we do? We even do it in our culture now. If I can't carry a baby, then I'm going to pay somebody else to carry the baby. And a lot of times when the people have money, that person is permanently taken care of because they've given their body and their womb to bear children for your household. Right. Um, and it's not something that's just exclusive to the biblical culture. A lot of people have this idea that the Bible is written in a vacuum. Go look at the Babylonian culture, go look at the Akkadian culture, go look at the Sumerian culture, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. They had covenants, they had relationships and polygamy was practiced with purpose, not just because, oh, you know, I, you know, I'm monogamous like that, you know, I, 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 can, I can please more than one woman. Let's be real. Let's ask the women if they're being pleased before we say you have this, you know, ability to, you know, spread your seed, which brings me to the, the issue of a king. These women are like, well, I'm a king and I have a right to this. And, you know, the woman just has to, it's not the law. It's not the law at all. If you go back to Abraham, which is the father of the faithful, Abraham's wife actually gave him the other woman. When you have her, she was like, I can't have a baby here, sleep with my handmaiden. He was like, right. you sure? And she was like, yeah. And when it came to get rid time to get rid of her, he was like, you do her as you will. That's not happening today. Women are being lied to. Men are sneaking around, having side chicks, not making their side chicks their other wife because they feel like they're able to because they're a king. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, six, chapter 17, it starts around 16. And it literally tells a king, a man who puts himself in that position, not to trust in chariots, not to trust in the money, not to trust in his own loins. So you shouldn't be building up your own house with your body or with any other way. Your focus should be on the most high and his righteousness. And that's it. So my question for a lot of men is, how's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with Yah? How's your relationship with your creator? Because if you were so focused on your creator, how would you have time for three, four different women? How would you have time to actually work out the biblical picture, which is to make that woman, to wash her in the word and present her before God without spot or wrinkle? How are you doing that for multiple women if that's the standard? But if the standard is just sex, then you've missed it. You've completely misrepresented God and you're acting in your own lust and in your own mind and in your own will. And so when you look at all these households, it's an issue of quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Look at David's house. His son rapes his daughter. His other son kills his other son. His other son raises up, takes the throne. You look at Jacob, the patriarch, not to say that the nation is not built on you know, a bunch of different women coming in, right? We have that right now in black culture. Some people you got a baby mama, you got a wife, you got a side chick and you can't blame the kids for the choices of the adult. So is God gonna say, oh, I'm wiping everybody out because you guys couldn't get it together? No, the children are still the inheritance, but there is a standard. There's perfect will and permissive will. What is allowed and what I don't kill you for because of grace, right? Unmerited favor, me allowing you to kind of get a pass, mercy in that way. And also to, to stay in good graces with me, I have rules and order. And so when it comes to polygamy, none of those things are considered. 
everybody's thinking like I think just in a very linear fashion and that's just not biblical so there's two parts of that that I want you to tap into one is the fact that men including like I said uh, the chief high priest and um, Brian who both believe that the most high says in the bible that they can have multiple wives but women can't have multiple husbands. And two, they said, it's not just about sex, it's about the community. So if I take on more wives and I care for them, then I'm helping the community. And now this wife can take care of this child. And obviously I'm using wife loosely because like you said, it's illegal, but um, hypothetically, let's just use it the way that they said, if we have sex, we become one. And my mom specifically asked, so you're telling me everybody that you have sex with, that becomes your wife and you don't divorce. So he said, once I figured out that, yes, then this is how God wants me to live. Then yeah, I, I take on wives now. I don't have girlfriends and side chicks. So the concept was we can build a stronger community, a stronger union as a whole. If one man has multiple wives that he is either living under the same roof with or providing for under different roofs. So I know I, I kind of went into a, a great deal of it, but how do you feel about it from a community standpoint? And how do you feel from it? Like I, I've even heard women that teach um, other women that black men are more prone to cheating. More black men are more, we're, we're, it's in their DNA and that's why they do it. So we should basically allow it because that's who they are. They need to sleep with multiple people to feel complete. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go straight to Torah. Like that's the first five books. Deuteronomy 21, 15 through 17 is where most men find their justification. It says if a man takes more than one wife, she's not supposed to decrease in food, raiment, and, or marital duty, which means that he has to clothe her adequately. He has to feed her adequately and he has to service her sexually adequately. And so those are three things that a man can't determine. The woman has to decide that those things have been fulfilled. It puts it on her. So this idea that women have no say-so in whether or not their husband takes more than one wife is just trash. The second thing that makes it trash is that these men believe that they can just sleep with a woman and that's their wife without covenant. God is a God of covenant. He literally marries Israel. He gives them the 10 commandments as their vow. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You agree. And I'm going to just, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. When you do this, I it's, there's no limit to what I can do with you. So then these men go into these relationships without giving a woman a choice. My mom says, when you don't, when you lie, you take away a person's ability to choose. But when you withhold truth, that's lying. So if you know before you get with a woman that you have the intention of taking on multiple women, that needs to be written down. You need to give her the option of saying, no, I don't want to be your second, third, however many wives, I don't want to go into covenant with you. So these people are using sex as a form of covenant. And that's just not true. I've actually listened to a small part of the last interview, and I don't know exactly who said it. But the male in the video used Isaac and Rebecca as an example. And for me, um, that's called a text out of context, right? You left out the context of the text because the marriage between Isaac and Rebecca starts off with his father, Isaac's father saying, go find my son a wife, right? He sends out his servant. And he's like, go find my son a wife. Don't go to these people, go here, take this and 
don't take a woman that won't come back here. So this is like a whole bunch of instructions. This is not just, oh, and they saw each other and they just got busy. Right. No, this was intentional. Like the father was intentional. He was looking for a certain type of woman. And so when he come, when Eleazar, the, the servant comes across Rebecca, she's out and she's watering camels and she offers water and the servant prays. And he's like, I think I found the one. He gives her these gold bracelets, gives her a nose ring. I mean, he's putting her, hooking her up, right, right. right? He's like, okay, where's your family? So then he goes to the family and her brother Laban comes out and he's like, oh, who gave you all this? This man must got it going on. And he comes and they sit down and they commune and then they ask her, right? Women have choice in the Bible. Would you like to go and be this man's wife? Mm. And she's like, yeah. yeah he don't and they're like, okay. And they send her with women servants to go with her. And she sees this man and she meets this man and she gets off her camel and she's like, dang, he fine. And like, and then, and then he takes her into his mother's tent and then he lays with her. There's so much more to that covenant story. So this idea of like, oh, I was feeling her and then we got together and then we had sex and, sex and then she's my wife now. Like I'm, I'm being intentional. You're not being intentional. You're showing your unhealed trauma. So since I said it, I'll go into that side. The issue that I believe from a psychological standpoint is black men specifically don't have just, oh, this, uh, you know, out of control sexual drive, you know, like, no, they have unhealed trauma and lack of self-control. And it's transgenerational, or some people say epigenetic, where you've been trained to be a breeding machine and it's in you. And you have to, in the process of knowing who you are, also deal with those things that have been passed on to you over and over and over again, where you can just go and lay down with a woman and make a baby and then go and lay down with another woman and make a baby. And black boys are exposed, they're, they're hypersexualized, the girls are hypersexualized and they're exposed to so much so early that they just feel like that's who they are. Right. And right. that's not who you are. Like you're so much more than that. Black men are not taught to value their bodies. They think that women are whores, but more black men are whoring themselves off and being used then the women are because they're not doing it by themselves. But then they say, oh, this is just me working on my masculinity. No, you're allowing yourself to be used and abused. And you're just like a breeding buck that would have been found on a plantation. Like you're just carrying on the same thing. And because we weren't allowed to have functional families and we weren't to, allowed to choose a woman and love her because the master could just sleep with my wife, then I have to be okay with just taking it wherever I can get it it's right. mental it's psychological and we're not healing our traumas and then we're fine we're going into the bible with our healed traumas trying to justify our brokenness instead of letting the world the word heal us wow. so that is so freaking deep like that right there says more than a mouthful like that part right there the trauma that we are dealing with the hypersexualization of our black men, whether it's from the videos or the music or our community that says black women have to do this, this, and this to get that kind of attention. And black men need to be the pimp to get respected. You need to have a gang of bitches to get respected. You gotta have, you, are you sleeping with this whole block? Oh, you you that dude. And But you're really not, you know, you're actually the problem, you know? And then that's what they see and it's perpetuated 
and we don't understand. So what you just said is like, I mean, it's so huge because it answers a lot of questions. So I would take it a step further and say, how do we break that cycle if we don't even think there's a problem with the hamster wheel that we're on? First thing is we need to really normalize the fact that black people need therapy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm so serious about that. It's like, we read the Bible and there's nothing wrong with the Bible. The Bible is perfect. But when I bring my imperfect self to it and I won't submit to what it says and I won't allow it to heal me, I don't even know how. I don't, I don't know the process of healing, then I can't. So we need to have more conversations and get to the root cause of why these things are there. People are in relationship with people and sleeping with them every night and that person won't even tell them one dark thought that goes through their heads. Right. We're not transparent with each other. We're not intentional right. about our interactions and in our relationship. And then we want to bring multiple people into the relationship thinking that that's going to solve the problem. Oh, you got an attitude? Well, I'll be over here tonight. How did that fix the issue? And what are you teaching your children? What right. are you teaching the young women? What are you teaching the young men? men? You're teaching them to run from their problems. If something goes bad, I'll just replace it with something else. And that's just a recipe for disaster. If you're replacing something that's broken with something else that's broken, become a denominator is you your fraction is still going to be off. It's never going to be a whole number because you're dealing with a fraction. That's the part of math that's always true. You can't make a whole number from three thirds of a 33rd of an eighth. Like it's just not going to come out whole. And I see men that have multiple baby mamas or in multiple situations. And you're like, you're still doing the same thing though. You, you just jump back on that gold plated hamster wheel and kept it going and you don't understand that you might be the reason, not to say that the women that are in there are not traumatized too, but if someone doesn't step back and say, hey, I probably need to fix this. My fear makes me sleep with other women. My anxiety makes me sleep with other women. My hate for myself or my life or my insecurities make me sleep with other women because for that five minutes, that seven minutes, that 30 minutes, I feel whole. And that's the part that I think that men uh, are missing. And I think that's why our marriage rate is dropping. Um, our divorce rate is increasing. The homosexuality is going up. Everyone's like, oh, they're born that way. You can't have all these people being born this way just right now. It didn't happen today. So what is it? You're looking for something. And we these conversations that we're having right here are what we don't have enough in our community amongst ourselves, open and honest. You just said another thing that's like, so eye-opening where it's like, we don't wanna expose our vulnerability. We don't wanna talk about something that, that happened. I had a friend of mine tell me, yeah, I started having sex around 12 years old and by the age of 13, I was having sex consistently. I was like, I don't think that's normal sex. I don't think that's sex like you're making it out to be. Somebody was molesting you. I don't care what age they were. Somebody was causing you harm. Maybe it's just me, but these are the things that I think about. And I'm like, well, how do I help this, fix this, change this? Or should I not even worry about it and just focus on my one son and loving him? Right. And, and, it, and it does put you in that mindset because it seems like an insurmountable task to even begin to tackle within the community because our men 
by by biblical creation, right? God created them to Zakar to remember, and they want to forget everything. They're over drinkers, over sexers, over indulgers, and all of this goes back to that root cause. And you mentioned something like when you look out amongst the community and you say, okay, how can a black man, if he feels like he is supposed to um, take on more as a man because he has more resources, right? To whom much is given, much is required. I look around at our black community and at the, the, the disenfranchised state of our children. There are a bunch of children without fathers. If you feel like you are that type of father, father some of these boys that don't have a dad. If you feel like, if you're saying, hey, the, the idea of multiple wives and caring for multiple women in my home, that is what God has put on my heart. I'm like, what about the widow? What about the orphan? What about the, like, what about these people that don't have? I posed this to a brother once. He was married um, and he, his wife was pregnant and he called himself like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get me another wife. And I said, well, you know, why don't you get an older woman who's a widow and have her come in and she can teach your wife how to be a good wife and help her care for your home. And he looked at me like, <laughs> and I said, no, for real. Like, because if it's not about sex, right. That's not about sex. Then there are a bunch of older women who have great qualities, whose husbands have passed on and they can come in your house and help your wife to be a better wife and to be a better mother and take some of the stress and strain off of her. And he looked at me like, that was not what I what I want to do. So, <laughs> and great, I'm using that. <laughs> like I know some people, I know some young boys who would really like to have a functional home. How? And I think it's the also the objectification of our women. Why do I have to exchange my body for care for me and my children? Especially like you say, single mothers who have children. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna marry you, but you're gonna be my wife now. And so she feels like she has to give sex in exchange for protection. She feels like she has to give her body in exchange for a role model for her child, where what if she's just like trying to heal? Right. Like that's a huge task. And when you think about what has happened to our women and what is still happening to our women, let's not act like it's a past thing. The task of healing, not only for the male, but then for him to come whole and then help the woman through her traumas as well. That's not something that's part-time. Right. That's not something where I could sprinkle a little here and be glad you got some clothes and you got somewhere to stay and happy somebody to deal with you. No, that takes intentionality. I watched um, Black Love. I've only seen one, maybe one episode. It was one with Kariga and Felicia. And I looked at that man and I've met a whole bunch of Hebrew men. And I don't know what he believes, but I was like that. I see God in that. I can see Christ in that type of love. And so when you talk about intentionality and a person showing up and showing up for the wholeness of the woman so that he can bear, that she can bear whole children, right? Make the womb whole, and then you get a quality seed. But if you let her be broken and her be broken, you just have a bunch of babies. Who are these women that are raising your children? Broken people that just break other people and have young men that are broken out. One thing that I want to point out that I noticed in relationships that I've had with men is that they tend to have sons that they think, oh, I I only show them this or I only portray that. So they're going to go a different path. And what I noticed, and I just brought it up to a friend of mine, I said, your son is doing the exact same thing that you did, but you think that you put on this mask 
and this armor and you step out into the world and portray your business success and think that it transcends into your personal family success, the, the seed has to be different for the fruit to come out different. Now I could be wrong, but that's just what I was thinking. You're right. That, I mean, that's spot on. Like how can you seed produces after its own kind? You plant a lemon seed, you get a lemon tree. You right. plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. You can't be like, I'm gonna plant a lemon seed and pray it turn into an apple tree. Right. But, or sit it next to an apple tree and think that it's gonna transform into one through some kind of like cross-pollination. That's not how that works. And it goes back to intention. Like, what is your intention for the next generation? What is your intention for whole homes? Right. Not for, and what you're, what you're giving us is, what, what they're giving women is not wholeness. It's just not, it's, 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 it's not that at all. And to portray it as this is what God's design is, where I'm like, I can think of like, three verses off the top of my head and the two shall become one flesh. Like, okay, um, what God puts together, let no man put asunder. Like these are things that immediately come up where you're like, no, submit yourselves one to another. Like, where does that, where does that fit into this model? And I just, it's not, it's, it's just, it's not whole. It's not whole. It's not, it's not a whole picture. It's not a whole system. And I know people get upset with me. I've had it. Oh, I used to have to turn off comments because they would go, oh, they'd be coming. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you shouldn't even teach. Let's just deal with what I said, though. <laughs> was, right. I, was I correct in what I said? Did I address something that we need to talk about? And I always tell people, it's not about always just coming with the answer, but can we have the conversation? Right. Because these are questions that need to be answered before we move into a space of practicing in a certain way and setting this as a standard for the next generation. Like if we know this at our home, ain't nobody tired of being here. Right. Like, <laughs> are nobody's tired of not having our own, our own land, having our own space. Everybody's like, oh, go back to Africa. In Africa, they do this. And I'm like, you realize that that land was where we were taken from, raped, pillaged, European cultural influence, all that has happened there as well. So you can't go back to there and say, oh, they still have it all right. Like, come on. Like, it, that's just. <laughs> asinine. I mean, the way people think and translate as if time stopped in Africa, but kept going here. That's the part that like, do you, you don't think it's 2021 there too? You think it's <laughs> Still, uh, 1812, like, are, are, am I missing something? Like some of these conversations just really are mind boggling as to like, what are we even talking about? Which again goes to, I think what you were hitting on earlier where we try to make our trauma make the Bible or the situation or whatever it is make sense to my dysfunction. Cause other than that, I would have to admit I'm dysfunctional and heaven forbid that be the case. So we say, oh, well, if life was like this, or if women were like that, or if this was, instead of saying, if I was a better X, Y, Z, if I was not insecure, if I was not hurt, if I was not untrustworthy, if I, if I, 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 then we can function in a different space. But <laughs> I'm just an African-American student trying to learn some things. <laughs> no, it's, and we over-mysticize, I think, the Bible 
it's it's we go oh these people were like larger than life and I'm like no the stories are there because they are people trying to figure it out so you're really looking at in the text you take Abraham he came out of his father's house and the text says his father was a pagan he was an idol worshiper he worked with you know idols and making idols and he comes out and God's like you know go do something different and he's like but this is all I've ever known so all of the all of what you see Abraham telling the king oh this ain't my wife this is my sister and you know like this is all of his trauma being worked out. But as he walked with God, he got to a place where God said, you know what? Abraham is my friend because he obeyed me and kept my commandments. And he walked through and let me kind of take him through that journey. When you look at Jacob, same thing. Like they were still trying to figure out the God that they had encountered. Where now everybody's acting like they have it all together. And I'm like, can we just talk about like what's happening right now? Because the ultimate goal is to heal to be one with the one like that that's the goal so it's not about me and my spouse it's not about me and my community but it's me and my creator first and then everything trickles down from there but people are like backwards they're going outward first and i'm going to heal like this and it's just another picture and evidence of the brokenness that has to be addressed like it just it has to the conversation of polygyny is a, or polygamy is a quantum leap from the beginning of, well, let's deal with you. Let's talk about you. Oh, no, we're not talking about me. We can't talk about me. <laughs> Girl, you're preaching. That's so true. It's so true. So I'm going to let you, I mean, you've said so much. We've said so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Like, no joke. Like, this has been enlightening. And more importantly, I know this from an ego place. It made me feel like I'm not crazy because before I talked to you, I was like, it must be me. It can't be everybody. But you made me realize it might be these niggas out here. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I will let you give um, everybody your Instagram, your blog pages and kind of just wrap up your, your thoughts and sparse intent towards change. It has been, once again, just amazing to be able to have this conversation just in an open space, in a welcome space, in a safe space. And so I really appreciate that. Um, And to give women something, some ammunition, it's not probably the end of the conversation, but it's a beginning. It allows us to have some, some faith in the God that we say we believe in, like, this is the God I believe in. It brings things back to uh, homeostasis, right? To peace, to a place of balance where we can get to a sure foundation and begin to have the conversations about healing and what wholeness really looks like and not a one-sided narrative because that's what it, it, it was up until that point where men are portraying one thing. I encourage women to ask questions, dig deep and trust yourself. If something doesn't, feel right, not just your feelings, like I'm up and I'm down, but when something doesn't sit right with you, tackle it, research it, ask questions, have those tough conversations with the men around you and with the men in your community and see where this is coming from and use deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, tell them to show you where it is. And when it comes to the Bible, and I'm so serious about this, don't let a person one line you, read up from the beginning because a text out of context is dangerous. A person can tell you one thing and that line will be right there and you read two verses up and it says the complete opposite of what the person tried to feed 
to you. I just want people to have the power to connect with their creator. Um, I'm on Instagram. You can go to all things Royal Roots. Uh, the website is also all things Royal Roots. If you want more information about just like biblical word studies and whatnot, you can go to her Royal Roots. And it's a space pretty much curated for women who are looking to understand themselves, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a woman in truth. And then um, her uh, Royal Roots on YouTube. I'm in a transitional space. So what's there is there. There's another space being created for a more holistic conversation where we can come in from all different spaces. And then we're on Patreon. So if you are into learning more, um, podcasts, stuff on growing food and just community and a safe space to exercise your belief, then Patreon, Royal Roots Patreon is also available. Thank you, Holda. I greatly appreciated this conversation. Some great information to give. She has five books on Amazon, so check those out. Um, each and every Wednesday, nope, I'm lying. Each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. I can't wait to see you guys next time. Thank you again so much for joining us. See you when I see you.